grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. history of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is found recorded in the four Gospels. This section is titled Jesus' Readiness to Suffer and Die. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread called the Passover was approaching. Jesus said to his disciples, as you know the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. They plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him, but not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. Then Satan entered to Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. Judas asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They counted out for him 30 silver coins. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus sent to two of his disciples, Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, go into the city, and as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. In the evening at the proper hour, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them are given the title benefactor. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Once you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scriptures. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. We'll read verses 1 through 9. It was two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The chief priests and the experts in the law were looking for some deceptive way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Certainly not during the festival, they said, or there will be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She broke the alabaster jar and poured it over his head. And there were some who were indignant and said to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? 
Certainly this perfume could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. In fact, you will always have the poor with you wherever you, whenever you want. You can do good for them. But you are not always going to have me. She did what she could. What She, could. she anointed my body beforehand for, for burial. Amen, I tell you. Wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman did will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that the sun gives us warmth, gives us light, and even gives us nutrients, you would think that with such a beautiful gift from God that the entire, all the planets revolve around it. You would think that we could take a good look at it. In fact, you can look at it, but you can't stare and fix your eyes on it. You could actually burn your eyes. It could blind you. And that would be completely foolish. But there is nothing foolish when it comes to staring at the sun, the S-O-N sun, the very one who is the Son of Man and the Son of God, the very one who is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Fix our eyes on him. That is the theme of our midweek Lenten services. And with each of these services, we're going to consider what does it mean to have eyes on Jesus? And this evening we consider the fact that eyes on Jesus are not to be eyes that misjudge, but really the eyes of a woman who was rebuked by the disciples and yet commended by Jesus himself. There are two dates I want you to keep in mind. One is the two days before the Passover. The Passover being on Monday, Thursday, the very evening that Jesus would institute the Lord's Supper, but it was also the evening that Jesus was eager to celebrate the Passover with his disciples because this would be the last time. Two days before that brings us to Tuesday of Holy Week. Holy Week begins with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. On Monday and Tuesday of that week, Jesus will spend time in the temple preaching and teaching. On Wednesday, we don't know what exactly happened. Scripture is silent, and so it's known as Silent Wednesday. On Thursday, we have, of course, Monday Thursday, and, and we started hearing about the preparations and some of the activities that went on that very evening as they celebrated the Passover, which could take three, four hours. That evening, Jesus will be betrayed by one of his own Judas Iscariot, and on Friday, Jesus will be nailed to the cross for the sins of the world. But on that Tuesday of Holy Week, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council under the leadership of the high priest Caiaphas, will gather the ruling body together 
and it was decided that during a special private meeting that Jesus needed to be arrested. He was gaining in popularity, and, and not only did they want him arrested, they actually wanted him dead. And not only were they plotting and planning to end the life of Jesus, but they also included Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead not too long ago. What they were doing was pure evil. And they didn't want to do it because Jesus' popularity had grown and they didn't want to cause a riot, um, especially in the temple area and in Jerusalem. And it would have been shortly after that meeting that Judas Iscariot comes and collects 30 silver coins and helps them in their plot to arrest Jesus quietly. And he would betray Jesus at Gethsemane that Thursday evening with a kiss. Now I want you to back up and, and we're going to go two days before Palm Sunday. And this is actually the Friday before Good Friday. Jesus is actually in Bethany, and that's two miles from Jerusalem, and that was located on the Mount of Olives, that city. He's in the home of a, of a gentleman named Simon. And Martha, we're told, in the Gospel of John, was serving the meal. Lazarus was reclined at the table with Jesus and his disciples, and it was actually Mary who comes out with this alabaster jar to anoint Jesus. Now, as you read this, it can easily get confusing about another time that Jesus was anointed, which was actually earlier in his ministry. He will actually be at the house of another Simon, but he is Simon the Pharisee, where here, this is Simon the leper. Obviously, he wasn't a leper anymore because lepers weren't allowed to go home. Possibly, he may have been even healed by Jesus himself. So not surprising that Jesus is at his home. Also, the woman earlier in Jesus' ministry is never named. Oh, some guess it could be Mary, Mary Magdalene, but Scripture doesn't say. But we know in the Gospel of John, this was Mary, a different Mary, who was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. We also find out that she brings out this perfume and actually anoints Jesus' head and feet. And yes, she does use her hair to wipe his feet. Earlier, the woman just anointed his feet and used her hair. And the last thing that makes these two anointings completely different is that the earlier anointing, Jesus dealt with Simon the Pharisee, who was disgusted by what she, he was doing, and Jesus, knowing because he's the Son of God, what he's thinking, addressed that. Here, we have the disciples themselves rebuking Mary. We have the disciples themselves not keeping it to themselves, but being open. They rebuked her. They scolded her. What was she thinking? Taking this expensive perfume in an alabaster jar, probably a, a type of jar that was only used once. And it says here it's a pure nard, and from what I've read and understood, that pure nard supposedly comes from the plant root 
found in India. Because of this passage, many believe that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very wealthy people. And she brings out this perfume that we're told was 100 denarii or 300 denarii. Some translated as, it's a year's worth of wages. We're talking 50 to 100,000 in a one-time use little bottle. In fact, some commentators go so far as to say that that 300 denarii was probably on the low side. It was worth even more than that. The disciples felt that this was a complete waste because this, this money could be sold. And guess who led the way in that discussion? The leader of the rebuke was Judas Iscariot himself. He was the treasurer. He saw an opportunity where that money, that perfume could be sold, money given to the poor, and also placed in his own back pocket. It was because of greed that he would dip into the treasury. But Jesus put the best construction on it. You'll always have the poor. And Jesus is not against giving to the poor. We have tons of examples of Jesus reaching out to the poor. But something even more important than just giving to the poor is the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus called her perfume being poured on his head and feet as an anointing. This is not the common word for anointing. Remember that the word Christ literally means the anointed one. This is not that word. When Jesus is called the anointed one, we know that he was anointed to be the Savior and called to be the Savior. His work was to carry out the offices of prophet, priest, and king. As prophet, he would proclaim the fulfillment of the Old Testament law, and he was the fulfillment. As a priest, he would offer the ultimate sacrifice for sins once and for all. And as king of kings, he would rule the universe for the good of the church and the savings of souls, and he would rule here on earth in the hearts of souls by his holy word. So Jesus... The anointed one is now being anointed, and this is the word that is used in connection for burial, exactly how Jesus uses it. Anointed for burial, and if you're being buried, that means you have died. This was not the first time that Jesus said to his disciples that he would face death. In fact, earlier, just about three months ago, Jesus had announced to them that he was going to Jerusalem, where he would be arrested, where he would be handed over to the Gentiles, where he would die, and on the third day, he would rise again. Peter, when he first heard that, in fact, all of the disciples were, were alarmed, and it was Peter who rebuked Jesus. And it was Jesus who rebuked Peter by telling him, you do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. Over and over again, Jesus would repeat that he was going to Jerusalem to pay for the sins of the world, and that would mean death. And so with Jesus, a week away, is now being anointed by Mary. And so as we put our eyes on Jesus, do not do so 
with misjudging eyes. Do so with eyes that are fixed, with the heart of Mary. One commentator I read described Mary as a woman who had great faith, and not because she was so great in what she did, but great faith in the sense that her faith was founded on the one who is great. She was a sinful human being like each and every one of us. It was Jesus who paid for the sins. It was Jesus who won for us the victory. It is Jesus who by his suffering and death won for us the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life. And that's, and it was a great faith because it was the working of the Holy Spirit through that good news that moved her heart to not only believe, but to live, and to live with great love, for faith loves to love. And it was out of love for the one who loved her first, the very God who made her and saved her, and she showed that love in being generous with what she had as she came to anoint the Savior. And where there is great love, there is also great humility. For this very wealthy woman, possibly very wealthy, would get down and touch Jesus' feet and use her hair as a towel, lowering herself before the Lord because there was no one greater in all the world than her very Savior. So my dear friends, it is not the sun up in the sky above our heads that we put our focus on as we live each moment of every day, but our focus is on the sun the Son of Man and the Son of God. We look to Him. And we do so not with misjudging hearts, but always with hearts that believe, that love, that is humble and certainly repentant, knowing that only in Christ are we truly saved. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You will never be burnt. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.